Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Man, glad that you're with us today. If you're a guest with us, special shout out to you. We've been in this series that we're wrapping up, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. We, Pastor Chris said it earlier, we really want to hear what God has done in your life uh, because we want to celebrate that and we also want to inspire others with God's radical uh, work in your life. Uh, we prayed first week, we started praying, hey, we need to pray for power, that we don't want to be people that just, you know, pray these general and small prayers, but we want to be people that when we pray, we expect God to show up. The following week, we talked about, hey, how we need to be able and active in sharing our faith, that God would give us divine encounters to say, hey, why don't you come and meet my Lord and Savior, Jesus, that can radically change your life. I pray that you've had some of those encounters this past week. I pray that God brought somebody in your life that you're like, man, I don't know how to share Jesus necessarily with them, but the conversation flowed seamlessly. Today, I want to talk to you about praying for unity. If you're taking notes with us, highlight that word unity. Circle it. You're going to be hearing a lot about it today. And uh, here's the thing. The church needs to be the most united family organization. It needs to be the, nice, the, the, the most united body representation that our world will ever know. We have to be united, and I'm not talking about just here at our church, here at Faith, right here in North Fort Myers, but I'm talking about with the brothers and sisters down the street, with the other churches in the area. And here's where we sometimes wrestle. Have you ever heard a, another Christian criticize a church? Have you ever heard a, a Christian criticize this church? You're like, nope, never have, Pastor Blake. Like, like I have, I've heard Christians say, you know what, man, that music's way too loud. That pastor, oh, he doesn't preach from the right translation of the Bible. You know, I, I wish that our church looked like this. We sang more like this. I wish our pastor wasn't too old, too young. And you hear some of these criticisms throughout daily lives. And, and Christians ourselves, we, we criticize a little bit at times. I don't know, have you ever done one of those things? It's all right. Like, I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but let's be honest. I think a, a time or two that we've, we've kind of thrown shade on other churches, other believers, other Jesus followers for the sake of preference. Um, I was at this restaurant this past uh, a couple weeks ago, and I'm not going to name it, but it began with Cracker, ended with Barrel, uh, right over there on 75. And I was meeting for an um, early morning meeting. It was about 8 a.m., and uh, I had this lunch meeting. I was wearing a, a faith shirt, just like this one that I had on. And uh, my waitress comes up and she's like, hey, great shirt. I was like, yeah, my, I got it from my church. I never tell anybody exactly what I do at my church. I just say, I, I, I'm a part of this church. And she's like, oh yeah, like I'm a Christian too, high five, you know, and, and I was just giving us some words of encouragement. We're striking up this conversation and, and she's like, uh, so how are you liking that church? I was like, the pastor has a pretty hot wife, you know, like, you know, like she's like, it's like over her head. I'm kind of like, you know, throwing some barbs. I was in this funny mood and, and she comes up and we're, we're talking and, and she like looks around like over her shoulder, like she had top secret information for me. 
And I was like, okay, what's going on? Cracker Barrel. Like, they do some of the eggs, you know, like, what's happening? She looked over her shoulder. She's like, hey, I hear there's a lot of people who are unsure about that new pastor they have over there. I was like, you and me both, sister, you know, like, I was like, this is the conversation we're having, brothers and sisters of Christ, and yet we're critiquing other churches. Man, like my heart kind of broke in that moment as I also tried to like feel some of that sense of humility right there. But I was like, man, come on. See, I believe the enemy's greatest tools, one of them, probably one of the top three, is division. That if, if he can get the church fighting amongst itself, saying like, hey, that church isn't as good, and, and this church over here is better, that, that we can go more horizontal focus for saying, hey, let's go vertical, that our scoreboard isn't saying, I hope I get someone from the church down the street, I hope I get that person over there that's been to church faithfully at 20 years, and then they come to my church, yippee, I think that's how the devil wants you to think, but the eternal scoreboard doesn't ever change. If you're a Christian at a street down, if you're a Christian at a church down the street, and then you start coming to this church, hey, we're excited, we're welcoming you to, but let's face it, eternity scoreboard never changed. I get really excited when it's people coming to the Lord who are saying, man, I've been far from God, struggling in my faith journey, I have some questions in life, I need to make something right, I need to find hope, I've met all my business credentials, I've expanded my business, I've had as much money in my life, or people who are broken and hurting and are searching for hope, and then they come and say, man, I got to have Jesus in my life. That's what we celebrate here at Faith. We are a church that routinely and consistently prays for unity. And I'm talking about the churches down the street, churches in our city, churches in our nation, churches around the world. And that's what I want to encourage you to continue to pray. Lead a life every day. Be praying, God, we pray for unity. May that be a core trait of who we are in our marriage, with our friends, at our church, the surrounding area. Unity, unity, unity. Paul, we've been looking at this man by the name of Apostle Paul. He wrote this book to Romans, midweek prayer service. We kicked it off, plug there, join us for a prayer service. God's doing some pretty radical and awesome things. He wrote this book called Romans 2, guess what? The Romans in Rome. So it's this book he writes, and he puts it this way in Romans chapter 15, verse 5. Follow along with me. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. I want to pause on two words. Endurance. How many of us are so grateful that God has consistently walked hand in hand with us no matter how much we've said, God, I'm done with you. God, I'm mad uh, mad at you. God, you're frustrating me. God, you're not answering my prayers. And yet God is still showing up that moment you need them. Are you thankful for that? This word endurance means to stay in Greek. That no matter what we do, when we have Jesus in our life, that he's never going to leave us. Like he's with us. But then we talk about encouragement. Man, we need some encouragement. 
How many have said it's an encouragement when we look at this original Greek word here in this, this text in Romans chapter 15? It means to comfort. That man, life might be puzzling, My, life might be hard, but God shows up and says, Hey, I give endurance, I give comfort to you, no matter what highs you face, no matter what lows that you're going through, I am with you. So, the God that says, hey, I give you endurance, I give you encouragement, says we should have that same attitude towards others. Verse 6 of Romans says this, so that the one, with one mind, one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another. Just, here we go, just as Christ Jesus has accepted you in order to what? Bring praise to God. So, Paul's writing, have endurance, have encouragement, have that same attitude that God has gifted, God provides, have that with each other. Sometimes that's really hard to do, right? It's really hard to stay encouraging to people, it's really hard to stay connected with people, but Jesus is saying, hey, turn to God. He will be the one that will help you in your relationships and our church body. And we're to accept one another the way Jesus has accepted us in our mixed up, messed up, jacked up lives. Jesus put it this way in one of his prayers in John chapter 17, verse 20, says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message. Verse 21, and all of them may be one. Jesus is saying he wants his disciples to be one, form one unit. It's this idea of consistently and constantly praying for unity. He continues on in 1723, Jesus put it, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know that, I, that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Unity, trademark of the church. Unity points people to Jesus. Through Jesus, we can have relationship with God. Through Jesus, we can have a relationship with God. So two reasons, it's not in your notes, but I wanna encourage you, write this down if you are taking some. First reason that we praise God is to bring glory to him. First reason that we're united is to bring glory to him. We say, hey, I'm going to live united. I'm not going to speak ill of another church, another Christian, any of that kind of mess, because why? I want to bring glory to God. I uh, like this illustration. Uh, someone in our family was playing uh, bumper cars a little bit about like two months ago, and so it was in the shop for a while. Now, we drive a Kia Carnival minivan. I'm a minivan dad. Let's go. And uh, what happened is we had a little fender bender. Car was in the shop for about a month and a half. So our kids, we put all the car seats into our midsize SUV, put them on one row. Okay. Now, when we have a driving route and the kids sit silent, are very nice and very cordial, Man, the parents, I do great. Like, I'm like, oh, man, you guys are angels. You are a gift. I love it, you know? And, 
And then when we slide over to this midsize SUV and we put them all in this one bench row and all three kids are next to each other. You got, I had to separate the boys because if I don't separate the boys, it's WWE wrestling match and they're going ham. So I put baby girl in the middle. So boy, baby girl, boy. And then they just pick on her and she has vocals. She can scream, she's yelling. And so dad does whatever great parent does. You start doing one of these numbers, knock it off. You know, you're like, whack, whack, whack. And hopefully you get the right child, right? Like, you're like, I don't care. It's coming. I'm swinging. (laughs) Nothing makes me more happy as a dad when the kids get along. Nothing makes me more filled with anger and rage and frustration when these kids aren't getting along. It doesn't make dad too happy when I'm in public and kids are doing this. Can you imagine God when he looks at churches and he says they're infighting over some little minute details? Isn't genius, isn't Jesus the center of it all? You know, that, that, that's what that looks like. But then there's a second reason. Not only is it to glorify God, but it's also to point the world to Jesus. The church is the most diverse place. And we point people to Jesus. When I was in college, uh, I went on a basketball trip, played college basketball, went over to South Africa. Now, our basketball team, we had a mixed guys, we had black guys, we had white guys. Well, if you are familiar with South Africa, their racial tension and divide is 10 times worse than it is here. And so they're a lot later in the civil rights movement. They're a lot later in understanding unity and bridging gaps of people's differences. So we walk into South Africa, not really knowing anything because we were doing basketball clinics and then preaching Jesus at different churches. We're just thinking it's all the same. People, we we would go to the malls and we'd go out into the streets and we'd walk around these little towns trying to like build these clinics up. And the missionary was like, hey, you guys just being here people who are mixed, people who are are African-American and and white, all coming together and saying, hey, we're just here for Jesus. That alone is flipping these towns and these villages upside down. The The most diverse entity, the church, we're there because of Jesus. And, and what they were doing, they're like, why are you guys all hanging out together? Like, we remember we were in the mall and people came up to us and were like, why are you guys hanging out with them? Why are you hanging out with them? And we're like, what are you talking about? Didn't understand it. And we said, well, hey, we're a part of Jesus' church. We point people to Jesus when we live unified. And that leads me to this. We do have an enemy as a church. The church, capital C, has one common enemy. His name is, guess what? Satan, the devil. In fact, it's not even technically a name. It's more of a title, deceiver. And, and, and Jesus gives him this name and, and gives him this title. See, Satan wants this in your life. He wants to come and steal your joy. He wants to come and destroy any healthy relationships you have. He wants to destroy anything good you have. He wants to mess up your destiny, your eternity. He wants you to make self implode. He wants you to have anxiety, depression. He wants you to fight with people. So he comes to steal your joy, comes to destroy whatever good you have going for you. And he also wants to kill your soul. 
That's why we were singing earlier, hey, Lord, we give you this time. Lord, we give you this praise. It's from our soul that we're worshiping you. It's from our soul we're praising you. Why? Because our soul needs Jesus, and Satan has come to destroy, steal, and kill everything good you got going. It might be nice for a season, but at the end of the day, it's going to be like, whoa, this is some messed up stuff. And the church needs to unify and say, hey, can we focus on the eternal scoreboard and not be so messed up when it comes to, hey, what's going on? Why is all this happening? From church gossip and X, Y, and Z and and da-da-da-da-da. We need to focus on what Satan's come to do in your family's life, your marriage, your kids' lives. That's our one common enemy. You've heard the saying, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, right? Like that's, that's where we focus. So let me just give you briefly three reasons we pray for unity. Simply put, one, we simply need each other. You need people around you. We need other churches in the area. Can you imagine if faith right here, we were the only church in the United States Like we would feel like, we already feel like the Christian church, Jesus followers, has everything pointed at us, coming at morals, coming at ethics, coming at the way we raise our kids. But can you imagine if we were the only church? Like that would magnify a hundred times. So the reason we need the church down the other, down the street, the church in in Cape Coral, the church in Fort Myers, Estero, Naples, is because they're going to reach people we're not going to reach. Churches look different. Churches have different personality. Sometimes people are like, hey, we love your church. Other times people are like, Pastor Blake, you're a little intense for me. And you know what our team has under, like they should know that we talk about, that we implant in our minds, that if someone doesn't fit in at this church, we want to push them to another church, another Jesus-centered church. Because maybe you don't fit here, but you still can be a part of God's big church. And that's what it's about. Like, I'm always like, hey, you know, there's a lot of great preachers down the street. There's a lot better churches that are happening with some programs and kids, facilities. Like, they're great churches. We celebrate what they're doing. Like, we, we get involved and we say, hey, we need each other to reach different people. So the eternal scoreboard continues to click up. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, Paul puts it this way. So in Christ, we, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Secondly, we also have different gifts. Look, I want us to understand this as a church. Unity is not uniformity. Unity is not uniformity. We're not trying to say you got to dress like us. We're not trying to say you got to sing like us, talk like us, act like us if it's apart from what we've learned in Scripture. We're not trying to say any of that. We're just trying to say, hey, bring your diversity to the table. The church is first the most diverse place out there. Let me illustrate it this way, and I'll probably step on some toes. If you're offended, uh, I'm sorry. You can email me at steve at faithnfm.com. He is our counselor. I always say that. Here's why. The world thinks unity is uniformity. The world does. Let's talk about it. Men and women. Okay? The world says, hey, they can be the same. Guy can play a girl sport. Okay? Like, does that even make logical sense? Like, you really got to be, like, uh, drinking and abusing a lot of substances if that makes logical sense to you. 
Let's be honest. Like in my marriage with my wife, she's a lot more nurturing. She's a lot more patient, a lot sweeter, better voice with the children. I'm the dad that's like, hey, thunderstick, let's wrestle. Boy, you're going to learn to work. Like, and that's kind of the drive. Massive differences between my wife and me. And that's okay. I hope she never is me. That's weird. But look at the world. The world takes it a step further. What's the world do? What do we see in our culture? What do we see coming down the streams? What do we see that's already there? Hey, a little boy can have these kind of uh, uh, gender who's going through something, can think about switching over in California. Some of that legislation has passed through. It's heartbreaking. And let me tell you, as someone who's lived in California, if it's there now, it's going to be here in about 10 to 15 years. So we see differences. World sees, hey, uniformity. Everybody can be everybody. Everybody can do everything. Let's all be together. Let's be one. It sounds like utopia. It doesn't work like that. Massive businesses. They, they hire these DEI officers, diversity, equity, and inclusion officers. Sounds like a good idea. The problem with that is this. They don't recognize that there's great, there, there's great things for diversity, but if you infringe on their bottom line, then there's going to be some issues. They do it, it's all a ploy. It's all saying, hey, if we can make that bottom line a little better, we'll do whatever else. We'll add you, we'll add you. You know who they don't really add, they're not big fans of? Christians. It's kind of crazy to think about because if DEI was so important for these executive officers, then the Los Angeles Lakers would, would uh, start a four-foot Asian lady at center in their next game, and they would see the whole continent of Asia tune in. But they're like, nope, you're not going to help us win. You're not going to help us bottom line. You're not going to help us get championships. But that's how the world operates. Uniformity when it benefits them. Uniformity when it benefits them and our thinking. You know the organizations from Planned Parenthood to we have Pride Month now to Black Lives Matter. I'm going to touch on some toes here. Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, where government contributes to over approximately $150 million yearly. She said this in an interview with Parsons in 1947. The founder says this, but for my view, I believe there should be no more babies. She takes it a step further and goes a little harder, and she says this to Dr. Clarence Gamble on December 10th, 1939. She says this, this, we don't want the word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Can you imagine how sick that is? How disturbed that is? That's messed up. Where do you find the most clinics, Planned Parenthood clinics? Urban areas, impoverished areas, the poorest areas, probably around here in North Fort Myers. I didn't Google it this morning, thought about it, but further away, like there, there's nothing that's coming up in Alva. They go and find the urban centers. They go find impoverished people, people in poverty, people who are struggling, people who are trying. And they're saying, hey, we'll help you take care of that. We just don't want your babies with you. We'll give you an easy solution. Now, look, we believe in a God that maybe you've had that experience. Maybe you've gone through that situation. And you look back and you are saying to yourself, like filled with regret and shame, we have a God that can mute that shame 
that can mute that hurt that you feel. We have a God that is for you. God wants to bring unity into your life. We need each other. You can't go through things on your own. You can't, we can't be the best church and reach as many people possible if we're just trying to do it by ourselves and not partnering with people down the way. We need each other. And I don't say this to to harbor or jump or, or say, oh no, here we go, pastor taking a political stand. I'm saying it's a moral stand, one. Secondly, it's coming to this point where, hey, the world sounds really good, a lot of bells and whistles, but when you start combing through the layers, the world's going to be like, whoa, I don't know if I, that really fits in what Jesus is wanting in me and, and of me and for my life. And many of us, you understood, like, man, you went and, and you kind of like lived life large. And you're realizing that man, I, I need some hope in life. I need some clarity. I need some people that, you know, they're going to speak well and, and healthy and, and in, our, in your life. As a church, what I love is we're a church that's for other churches. Right across the street in our chapel office area, we've been hosting a Spanish-speaking church uh, for 16 years. This is awesome. They've been able to get on their feet, build a congregation. Go Now they've recently bought their own land to build their own campus. That's pretty awesome. But I guarantee that wouldn't happen if it wasn't for your generosity. Thank you for your generosity. We've also helped churches be planted inside mosques in the Middle East. That's pretty crazy. These small groups, homes, people, their life is at stake. We fund those kind of ministries so that people can meet Jesus. Eternal scoreboard goes up. See, if you ever talk to a missionary, they're never like, oh, no, it's that church over there or it's that denomination over there. They're like, no, we need that because there's so much persecution against that church, so much persecution against those people. And so that's why we say we need each other. Unity matters. Pray for unity. Secondly, we say, hey, we, we, the reasons we need unity is for, one, the world needs to see the love of God. It's simple as that. The world needs to see the love of God. The way you treat someone that's different than you will speak volumes about who God is in your life. Someone might not measure up add up, look the part, but when someone says, hey, why do you treat them so well? It's because I got God in my life. I'm kind because I got God. I'm patient because I have God. Like, hey, you're coming together. Churches rally together. Ah, we got God. Romans 15, 7, let me say this, accept one another. Then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. I want to say this, this word accept in Greek, I can't even try to say the Greek word. It's this, this wide open arms embrace hug. And then it means I'm going to walk alongside you. I'm going to walk alongside you. Um, in John 13, 30, 34, Jesus puts it this way. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. In verse 35, but this everyone will know that you are what my disciples, you are my followers, if you love one another. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm going to bring a board out here. I just want to touch on this. And when it comes to uh, uh, talking about, hey, the world will see one another. I mean, like, I like to model it very simple like this. So, Hopefully you can see how uh, I draw. Forgive me if I spell anything wrong. 
So with two circles right here. See, what happens with some churches, we stay over here. Church only. Okay? I, I was just going in my mind right there, C-H-U-R-C-H for church. You know, it's, it's a little intimidating. I, was, I failed spelling B first round, you know? So like, okay, then we got world right here. Okay? What happens many times, churches want to stay here, church only. Okay? And what happens is this is all inward focused. This is all like, hey, my church, my way, I got the best pastor, I got the best singers, I got this, da, 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 you name it, best kids, da, da, and just church only. Church only can't impact the world. It's going to be me focused. World needs the church. This is where we need to fill the gap, and this is us. Us. We need to be right here, right in the middle, at the collide. Unity, church unity. We are a church that we move here. We're all about the middle. We're all about the intersection, all about the intersection. I have a list of people I pray for constantly, list of people in my office. My wife will tell you, and it's crazy how God moves, how God works, because I'm saying, hey, Brittany, our family, we need to operate right here. Our church, we need to operate right here. Hey, we need to collide with the world. We need to meet the world where it's at. We need more churches right here in the us category versus saying, hey, I'm church only. The church is the only organization that exists for people who don't attend the church. What's Jesus say in Matthew chapter 20? He says, go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And then teach them my way. So it's go and then evangelize or discipleship. Man, I am pumped up for baptisms. If you need to get ready for baptisms, we have our team over there. They're ready. But I'm pumped for baptisms. Because you have a lot of people who are coming in and saying, hey, we want to show off God's love in our life. And we need to be right here in the us category for saying, hey, like, as long as my church meets my needs, I'm good. We need to be someone that's saying, hey, the world is dying, going to hell. They need a new destiny. They need a new eternity. That's us. And thirdly, Reasons we need unity, reasons we pray for unity is because together we can infinitely do more. We can infinitely do more together. You know, with one person's foot in the bill, it's really expensive. If many are foot in the bill, it's not as expensive. If one person's doing all the work, extremely hard, less talent, a lot more struggles. If more people are doing the work, it's super talented, more gift sets, the, world, the, the church, the team comes together. Things are accomplished, things move, it's accelerated in life. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32, Paul's talk, or excuse me, Dr. Luke is writing this in, in Acts, and, he's, and he writes this account, all the believers were one in heart and mind. It says, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needed persons among them. For from time to time, those who own land, they would sell their houses and homes, and they would bring the money together. 
after those sales. And that's the church. The church, the reason that we're together, the reason that we come together to pray for unity is because infinitely we can do more together. So many people I know, they try to do life alone. So many churches try to be like, hey, we're our church, we're special. And like, no, 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 our DNA, what we're about. Hey, we're praying for churches. We're praying for people. We're praying for marriages. We pray for unity consistently and constantly throughout our lives. It's a characteristic of who we are in our lives. One thing I love, man, we got baptism Sundays. And this is what I expect. If you ever join us for a baptism Sunday, you better be celebrating it loud when every person is getting dumped. Because here's the thing. Whenever we're baptizing people, it's people saying, hey, they've seen God's love. They recognize they need each other. They want to be a part of the mission to infinitely do more and turn the scoreboard upside down and click it into eternity where people who are going to hell are no longer going to hell and people are now going to heaven. Church, that's what public baptism is. I say this, it's, it's never too late to go get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, man, I would encourage you to do that. But at this moment, I'm going to pray. We're going to all celebrate. I'm going to take off my mic. We're going to get people baptized, going public with their faith. And we're going to celebrate that loud and continue to trust God in all that he does. And if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I would encourage you. I would encourage you to say, Lord, come into my life. I'm messed up, I'm mixed up, I'm broken, but I believe in who you are. I'm being in tune with the Holy Spirit and God work. And when you start believing, when you start confessing, God God starts showing up. Scripture says you will then be saved. I want to pray over that group of people and then we're going to dive in to baptisms. God, right now, we are praying specifically for those who are far from you, those who are wandering from you, those who have been lost. God, we're praying that you move in their lives. We're praying right now that they meet you in a very real way. We're praying right now that they make a decision to follow you, that they take the next steps, that they're not, they're they're done sitting on the sidelines, but they want to be united with your body. God, we give you today. We celebrate all that you've done. We celebrate those being baptized and those that you will be seeing baptized in the future. God, our best days are to come. May we see Southwest Florida know Jesus. And you're great. In holy name, Jesus, we all say. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.